All right, what's up, guys? It's Analyst, and we're back. <laughs> Nathan's already flipped. Nathan's already. Oh, my flipped. God. <laughs> Trying to do one thing. <laughs> there we go. What's up? That's perfect. I'm going to keep that in. <laughs> That's perfect. Everything is perfect. So, what's up, guys? That. It's Analyst, and today I'm joined by Fantasy Docs. Dr. Nathan Natwa, if you guys don't already, I just want to make sure I said that right, right? Dr. Nathan Natwa? Yeah. Okay. Because yep. I, I hate, like, it's like Nathan with eyes instead of age. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, thank you for being here. And the reasons he's he's here today is because we're going to go over, uh, we have 10 players listed, um, a lot of them injury concerns for some people, um, some people you may not have enough concern about. So, we're going to dive through all that, um, and uh, I'll be leaving timestamps down below. So if you guys want to see about just a certain player, you can do that. And, uh, yeah, so before we get started, I want to I want to know your opinion about COVID and just how you think it's going to impact the league. The recent study that shows um, you can have immunity for up to three months, maybe even longer. So what's your stance on COVID and do you, has your opinion changed on if we're going to have a full season and stuff like that? I uh, I do think we're going to have a full season. I think before I thought we were going to have a season, but I thought it might be shortened. It seems like they're taking really good precautions in. The test numbers are near, near zero, if not zero, from my understanding recently. And it actually is kind of an insurance policy for those players that have already had COVID because – they're showing more studies that the antibodies are present for around three months. So that basically covers most of the season for those players. So you can feel a little bit more confident having those on your roster. And I know you were having some thoughts about some plans for leagues that wanted to kind of compensate for COVID stuff, but. Yeah. So, I mean, having an extra IR spot, I'd recommend at least one. Um, You can try to, delegate having that be a covid only spot but at the same time that's going to be such a hard thing to manage you know it's yeah. it's going to have to look at everybody's team and make sure right before kickoff if they didn't have two players who aren't covid related but they're still out you know you punish them whatever you got to do so i i would just suggest having at least two ir spots maybe or adding an extra bench spot something like that take some precautions because if there is a situation where a whole entire team is riddled with COVID spots, you might have just like half a roster like being out because they're going to have to cancel that game. And then that team and the other team, and we've seen this happen baseball a couple times already. I think it was the subway series between the Yankees and the Mets got completely canceled. It was three games. So yeah, I wouldn't want to be playing fantasy baseball right now. <laughs> they are not doing They're just well, not. But... Yeah, they're they absolutely not. So, but either way, um, with that being said, that's just a little COVID information out of the way, and now we can dive into the reason you guys are here. But first and foremost, if you're not following Dr. Nathan Natwa on Instagram, he's at Fantasy Docs. I just want to thank you for being here again. We did this last year. It was yeah. a big hit. Glad to have you on again. And um, Dr. Natwa actually helped me with the uh, draft kit. So if you guys have the draft kit, you go to the injury section the injury analysis that was provided by dr nathan Natwa. and uh there's a lot of good information on here on there and there's gonna be a lot of good information here too and some of these guys were actually covered in that as well so uh thank you again for doing that and without further ado let's get into some of these guys so if we start at the top of the list um miles sanders 
he's one of the guys everybody's freaking out about. He was labeled week to week with a lower body injury. Um, he was seen dancing in the sidelines shortly after sustaining the injury. And uh, they haven't added any running backs either. So that's always a good sign. They yeah. could have added Devontae Freeman or they could have added Lamar Miller before he went to the Patriots. But um, they chose to not do that, which shows confidence in his injury and him as a player. So what's your feeling about Miles Sanders and how his lower body injury can affect him? So initially I was I was pretty concerned just because, you know, if they're immediately labeling someone week to week, when that happens in the regular season, that usually indicates a pretty serious injury. But like you said as well, too, they didn't add any better, veteran backs in the backfield. And his only the only other really viable running back on there is Boston Scott, who's more of a third down back, not really someone who you would expect to be pushed in for a primary back role if for some reason Miles Sanders was out. And hopefully, you know, Philadelphia has has people that think like that as well, too. And that's kind of a subtle indication that they're probably just erring on the side of caution. Now, with that being said, the first round is usually where I like to think of guaranteed picks that are definitely going to give me high high output. And Miles Sanders, you know, he has a great ceiling. He's in a great situation, but he hasn't given us that great situation yet. And right now he's out with a week-to-week injury. So I'm kind of waffling between that and the place that I'm okay with taking him personally is in the second round. And then I also would definitely have, have Scott as a hand, have, uh, have Scott as a handcuff as well too. Okay. So recommendation is avoiding the first you're grabbing him in the second and then grab Scott as a handcuff, just insurance as behind him. Yeah. Pretty much any running back that I'm taking in the first two rounds, I want to, try and get an insurance policy by handcuffing them. After that, it, it gets a little bit less productive and you could probably be using those bench mm-hmm. spots on a little bit of a player with a higher ceiling, more of a sleeper pick. But Yeah, and especially if you're going to take the route of, let's say if you take, uh, trying to think of someone who has like a decent hand up, like maybe Zeke. Let's say you take Zeke. Yeah. And by the way, I don't know if you know this, but Zeke has literally never missed a game due to injury. Yeah, he's, a, he's so up. under. He flies so under the radar for some reason. <laughs> I don't know how it happens. But I, I just found that stat not so Yeah, yep. <laughs> insane. But anyway, point being, if you get a guy like Zeke, and then maybe you go wide receiver in the next couple of rounds. Like if you have, if you're picking at the end of the first, and you get like, uh, like a Joe Mixon, Josh Jacobs, which is one of the two of my favorite guys for going to this year. But point being, if you have two of those elite RB ones, maybe it'll be better towards the end of your draft to get like a higher upside bench play because you'll at least be covered for like an anchor on your team if one of those guys were to theoretically go down but um at the same time definitely if you're taking one of those elite tier guys and they have a good handcuff too like some people try to like i have christian mccaffrey i'm gonna pick up reggie bonifan 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 <laughs> i don't even know what the hell his last name is but that's like not a good handcuff because there's no guarantee he's the guy and then on top of that you're just i, I know you want to secure yeah, they your might first just sign but... another veteran back if you go yeah. down and then you're just exactly out of luck. Yeah. like you want it sounds weird but you want established hand handcuffs for these players like a yeah no, that's a good addition tony pollard so yeah, yeah absolutely yeah it's like don't cost him you don't know the cup exactly <laughs> But another side question with Miles Sanders, he's currently, I, I believe he's playing at a hun, under 190 pounds. Um, yeah. 
Does that give you some concern about handling a full workload theoretically in this season with the Eagles? Yeah, a little bit, uh, just because it's going to be hard to be between the tackles running back. If you're going at 190 pounds, a lot of those guys are upper, upper 200s, low 300s. It's going to be a lot of wear and tear. And that was kind of another of those reasons where we haven't really seen a full season from him as that bell cow back. I would hope that his receiving abilities, which, you know, dusted even Drake's abilities. I think he had a similar amount of catches as Drake, but Drake had like 350 yards and uh, what's his name? Sanders was well over 500 yards. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, hopefully that kind of provides a little bit of stability, but yeah, that is also another one of my mild concerns too, is just his weight isn't really up there with where you'd expect a three down back to be. And and quickly on that too, I see like some players. Um, I I just want to know your take on like some players like oh I've slimmed down for this season or oh I've put on extra <laughs> weight like Raheem Mostert being one of those guys saying I put on extra weight to handle a bigger yeah. load, gaining that or weight Eckler and then jumping the season like, or, or Eckler and then Marquise yeah. Brown as well he also put on that weight. So do you feel like that truly helps or do you think it's kind of just subjective and whatever happens happens i mean if they were already uh good back and they were already putting up respectable stats i don't really see it as a game changer and sometimes i actually think it might be a little bit of a of a warning sign just because they've been at that weight they've been playing at that weight and they know Mm -hmm. how to play that weight if they suddenly go through a drastic change the stuff that they might have been trying earlier you know it might not work as well and they might predispose themselves to to an injury to be honest so i'm always kind of wondering why really complete backs decide to completely change their their body composition uh it does seem encouraging when it's a back that you know seemed to have a lot of potential and just wasn't really hitting it and then they come out and they're like oh like i i changed my i changed the way i am right now then i get a little bit more encouraged but for someone who's already doing well it's something i don't like to see to be honest but Gotcha. There, and just to clarify, there hasn't been any talk with that with Sanders. It just we're on the topic, yeah. so I just throwing <laughs> it out there. <laughs> um, so the second guy I want to talk about here is Jarek McKinnon, who has recently become one of my favorite sleepers for 2020. I put a post on him not too long ago. Uh, he had his ACL, ACL. Gosh, I gotta be able to talk for this. <laughs> but he had an ACL tear in the 20, 2018 preseason. Um, and then the following year, he ended up missing the entire 2019 season as well due to post-surgical complications. I believe he had a follow-up knee repair. Uh, now he's two years removed from that ACL tear. He looks great in camp. Uh, everything's positive going to 2020. But can you trust him to stay on the field? Yeah. So we, we went through a similar situation with this with Dalvin Cook. And even last year... For McKinnon, I was super pessimistic on him just because one year out of an ACL tear, running backs almost unilaterally do terrible. I think one of the few exceptions was Shady McCoy and AP. Or AP. And, you know, AP is not yeah. really not really a fair <laughs> example. That dude is timeless and Hall of Fame, like from his third season, pretty much. But uh, but yeah, on average, I tend to completely avoid running backs one year out from their ACL injury. But the second year, they actually show a really good return to their pre-injury level. And McKinnon, on top of that, you know, I think he was a really high draft pick. He was either second or possibly first round draft pick. Uh, but they they believed in him and 
I know the 49ers paid him a ton of money on the contract that they signed him to. They wanted him to be the bell cow back. He just unfortunately got injured. It's common to have a second injury stemming from that ACL repair because usually NFL players are super motivated. They want to get back really early. They go back too early, and then they have they have another injury. But as long as it's not a re-rupture of that ACL tear, which it wasn't, I don't get super concerned about it. And I have really high hopes for him, actually. And like you said, his price is unbelievable. In some leagues, you could probably pick him up post-draft, but he's going double-digit rounds. And that's a great price for a possible RB1. Yeah, wow. So, I mean, I, that would be great if he was able to lead this backfield. And there is a need for a pass yeah. catcher in San Francisco. Uh, over the last two years, their fullback, Kyle Juszczyk, has led the team in targets per game. So oh, they wow. definitely need that pass catching back. Um, I mean, Debo Samuel right now, one of the other guys, I, I didn't put him on the list. I should have put him on the list. Maybe we can you can mention him at the end. You are, yeah. <laughs> if you want to jump into him real quick, he had that Jones fracture. Uh, and then I think Brandon Ayuk also was dealing with a hamstring strain. He's one of the, he got one of the hammies yeah. as well. So there are not really too many weapons there, but okay. So we'll, we'll get into Debo. How, if you have it in front of you, yeah. he's definitely got a Jones fracture. Uh, I know you were very cautious and you originally had a feeling that he would be hurt throughout the season. Um, do you yeah. still feel that way? Do you feel like he's progressed at all and you'd feel more comfortable taking him or how do you feel on Debo? So, yeah, so initially he had that Jones fracture and I felt like he wasn't going to be really too fantasy viable. And following that, they decided to put a pin. They decided to fix it surgically, which does stabilize the bone a good amount. I still was pretty cautious on him, and I thought that he wouldn't really be a factor for the first third to half of the season. I think they already said he's going to miss the first couple of games. So at the place he was going when I wrote that post, I was I was just pretty much a void, and there was no chance I would target him. I think he's dropped pretty significantly since that injury, especially since the news came out that he's going to miss the first couple of games. So I do think he'd be worth a stash, but I would keep in mind that you know there's a really high chance of soft tissue aggravation from this injury, just because that ankle and foot becomes really deconditioned. They have to completely immobilize that foot while that Jones fracture is recovering. And then the fracture itself is a high risk fracture because there isn't a great blood supply there. So it, that fracture heals back a little bit poorly. So he might have some lingering symptoms from that. You know, wide receivers, they, they plant their foot. That's how they get their top end speed. They plant really firmly and that can kind of aggravate a little bit of symptoms in that area. So the season following a Jones fracture, especially this one, I wouldn't expect too much out of him. But I mean, if you're if you're trying to figure out who would be a sleeper that you want to stash, I'd be okay with that. It's it's funny because it's like when you get really into like the blood and the Jones fracture and immobilizing yeah. the knee, I'm just if you're watching on YouTube. I'm just sitting here like pretending I know anything about like <laughs> like medical. I, I mean, I'm trying to hope. Hopefully, I explain it in terms that are easy. <laughs> no, to, like, it's great. It's, <laughs> and it, it makes a lot of sense, too, because of the fact that he can't basically like he can't move his leg for this long. And then you expect it to be ready for like to make contact and be an NFL team and be in the pro football field. So it, it, it makes a lot of yeah. sense. That was just it's just like it, it's, <laughs> inter- it's fascinating hearing like all the details behind stuff like that that we don't usually think of that much. Because a lot of times we'll just be like, oh, guys hurt. Maybe he'll be ready for the season. Maybe he won't. If he's on the field, why not? You know, it's a it, it's nice yeah. to know the background behind it. Oh, definitely. But, I've uh, tried, I think uh, doing this for the past years helped me figure out how to word stuff better. 
and have yeah. people at least not just kind of be like, dude, you were making no sense. So. <laughs> but. I don't have my PhD yet. <laughs> so uh, to sum that up, Jarek McKinnon, so you're not, are you confident he's going to play? Or is there still yeah. concern? Is I there am, mild concern? I'm, I'm confident in McKinnon, and I would, I definitely would target him. I'm not confident on Debo, but if he was at a great price range, you know, I wouldn't be opposed to picking up, picking him up anymore. He's not a completely avoid in my mind, but McKinnon, I actually am definitely targeting. Nice. Very nice. So if you guys heard that McKinnon post, go check it out. It's doctor approved. I wrote, I wrote that on the post too, because I saw, uh, yeah, I saw, post McKinnon, I so. saw a bunch of my followers after that. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's fancy doc approved. Uh, we'll go on to the third. I wish I could, I was like good at editing videos so I could do like a stamp. It's like approved, like, you know, like some graphics. <laughs> I'm just going to record this off Skype and just throw it straight onto YouTube <laughs> <laughs> it's like not even synced up you put your hand in like two seconds yeah. <laughs> 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 All right. the next guy we got here is Tyreek Hill so um, yeah. Tyreek Hill he has a suspected hamstring strain at first I think they called it a leg injury um yeah so after supposed hamstring hamstring strain he jogged off the field he's now back at practice and last year i believe he had a shoulder injury and i wrote down the name of the injury uh sternoclavicular clavicular joint sternoclavicular joint dislocation yeah that last time it was right (laughs) sternoclavicular dislocation yeah (laughs) Um, and what that is, is your sternum is right here. Your clavicle is right here, right at that joint. It just kind of shifts out of place. So I couldn't be in the NFL. I couldn't do it. <laughs> I couldn't deal with these injuries. Yeah. I, I've never, I've never broken a bone or anything. I, 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 I probably, I'm not going to spend too much time with this, but I actually bit my tongue and like made a hole in my tongue when I was little. That's the only thing oh my God. I've had. So, uh, but we won't get too much of that. It's a story for a later time. But either way, with Tyreek Hill, we know over the last couple of years, I think it was like last year, was one of the biggest years for hamstrings. Uh, last year and the year before, hamstrings have become really popular. And when I say popular in a joking manner, but there's been a lot of hamstring strains over the last few years. Uh, are you concerned about Hill's hamstring injury? Um, he's apparently back at practice now. Do you yeah. think it's something so, to linger on season? So I'm not I'm not concerned about his hamstring injury, and I'm also not concerned about that dislocation. You might yeah. see some news about it being like life threatening and stuff like that, and it is definitely a very serious injury in the short term. But once you're recovered from it, you're recovered, and there aren't any kind of ill effects from that. Gotcha. With the hamstring, people, you know, they get concerned about those, and rightfully so because they they tend to linger and they're easily aggravated as well too. I feel like Tyreek always kind of has hamstring injuries which usually is a bad thing but i feel like he also always recovers from them very fast which is uh he, he had a good time too. yeah and i think i'm not even sure if he got knocked out if he did it was for like a game or two but sure. but from, from what i yeah from what i know about him he 
he doesn't take too long to recover from them. And then also something that I noticed is that he's one of the few wide receivers that has a very solid handcuff. Like if he goes down, you pretty much know that McCall Hardman is going to get a significant boost in targets. So if I have Reek, which I'm perfectly fine taking him in that, I think he's going like early second, I would make sure to make it priority A to get McCall Hardman, who is also super cheap. I think he's going late double digit rounds. And sometimes undrafted as well, too. But I would take him a little bit earlier if I had Hill just to make sure I got him. Yeah, that's a good point, too, because I had some people uh, last year, I, I think on one of my teams, that had Julio and Ridley. And I mean, oh, that yeah. one week Julio went down, Ridley just yeah. absolutely shredded. So <laughs> uh, you, you don't generally think about handcuffing wide receivers or tight ends or anyone who's not a running back. But yeah. at the same time, like, don't be afraid to take two people from the same team if it's a situation where not only can they both have individual fantasy value, but if one were to go down, the other one would explode. So uh, it's definitely not a bad idea. I mean, bye week wise, you probably don't like you probably don't want Woods and Cup, but yeah, at the same time, yeah. like maybe <laughs> if you could s- spread it out a little more to like Devonte Parker and Preston Williams. Like, that's probably a yeah. better case scenario. Or, like, McCall Hardman or Tyreek Hill. So, that's a good pairing there. I think Tyreek Hill is doc-approved. <laughs> yeah. I, I got to work on that. I got to get something. But Tyreek Hill, doc-approved. <laughs> uh, short, short recap. Miles Sanders, some concern. Um, McKinnon, doc-approved. Debo, not not Doc X. I don't know. I don't where to get the pen from. Yeah. Tyree Kill approved. So next we got Chubb, Nick Chubb. So he was in concussion protocol. He has cleared it since and is back at practice. Um the hit where he got the concussion, I saw the video of it. He was hit by Mac Wilson. It didn't really look bad at all. If if they didn't say he had a concussion, I wouldn't have even known. So I don't know if there's is there grades? I'm pretty. I don't. I don't want to guess because I'm not a health expert. But is there, are there yeah. different levels to? I'm, I'm sure there are. Are there different levels to concussions? Yeah. And if so, not, could he have had the smallest one? Or yeah, I mean they don't have like definitive numbers where it's it says this many symptoms equals grade one, this many equals grade two. It's kind of just a, a mm-hmm. feeling. Like if it's and then also if they last longer than about four to six weeks, then they call it post-concussive syndrome, which is a little more serious because that really increases the risk of long-term effects. So it's good that he had a quick recovery, but I would take one caveat is that he's been cleared to return to practice. So I'd want to see how he functions in practice and make sure that he doesn't have any setbacks there. Assuming that that's not the case, then, you know, it's fine taking him. He's another one though, that I feel like you have to handcuff Hunt just because Hunt probably has some pretty significant standalone value. And if for some reason Chubb goes down, you have a potential league winner right there. But uh, in terms of that crazy knee injury he had before, he hasn't had any aggravations from that, and he he beasted last season. Concussion-wise, mildly concerned. But um, aside from that, it's pretty simple just to watch it and make sure everything's doing okay. Okay. So so Chubb, uh, cautiously optimistic, not too many – not too many doubts. I guess it's like half approved, half. Yeah. Mostly yeah, I mean, approved. I, I, would, I would definitely feel comfortable <laughs> taking job. So I would, I would consider gotcha. him approved. Gotcha. Gotcha. So Chubb's on the good list. 
Uh, let's jump into the next guy here, TJ Hawkinson. So I saw you put a, ho- a post out on Hawkinson. It was on the same post that you had uh, McKinnon. And yeah, um, kind of I was a little surprised it's by like that, too. too. Players yeah. <laughs> but uh, I-, I was surprised that you weren't as into Hawkinson. I guess one of the biggest reasons being he feels as if his ankle is not 100%. Uh, he missed four yeah. games last year because of that ankle injury, and it was actually the end of uh, it was the rest of the season at that point. Yeah, I mean, even in practice, defenders are, but yet, like defenders in practice are frustrated trying to cover him, and uh, it seems like he's doing well in practice. So, point being, do you have further injury concerns about his ankle? I know you put his performance expectation and his re-injury risk at high, um, dangerous. Right. I guess they can't both be high. Performance low, injury yeah. risk high. So, how do you feel? So, I'm, I'm, I'm from Detroit, so I, I've watched the Lions pretty regularly. And I've never really seen them go go to have a go-to tight end. And I've never seen Stafford really lock into a tight end. It's, I mean, he tried really hard with Ebron, but we all know kind of how that panned out. But yeah. that's kind of the one of the major concerns with me, because he already has a pretty good red, red zone target in Kenny Galladay. He's, you know, it's a big... Big, bulky wide receiver, great red zone target. They picked up Swift as well, too, who's a great pass catching back as well, too. Probably the best pass catching back in the draft, possibly. And, I mean, they have carry on as well, too, who I'm not too high on. But they have a loaded they have a loaded uh, field in terms of offensive weapons. All of that kind of reduced my interest in Hawkinson. And then the fact that he came out and said that his ankle is still bothering him. I mean, typically players never admit that stuff is still painful for them and the fact that he still is having some pain there and that he had a pretty significant high ankle sprain that like you said knocked him out of multiple games last season that all kind of made me feel like he's not a great a great target and uh kind of on top of that that was it actually there's another point but i forgot it (laughs) (laughs) yeah like literally in two seconds (laughs) yeah i mean like, point being, like, he, he, the fa- where you have to take him or when where you can take him, rather, in drafts, I've seen him slip to, like, 13, 14, 15, like, maybe even later round. Uh, a lot of people seem to yeah. be avoiding him, especially after the ankle concerns. Uh, I, I will say he did have a lot of targets on his with his time on the field last season. I think he was on pace for 70, 80 targets, um, even in a crowded situation. I do like him more for Dynasty, though. Only being okay. the fact that Danny Amendola, he's been up there in age. He could be close to retirement soon. Marvin Jones could be traded or released after this year as well. So there could be some opening targets for a guy like TJ Hawkinson down the line. And also, it, hopefully, he's passed his ankle injury at that point, too. So Yeah. I definitely agree for Dynasty. I'm completely on board with that assessment. He is a top top ten draft pick. He's very talented, and hopefully, as he gets eased back into it, Stafford or whoever the quarterback is in Detroit at that time uh, can lock into him. And speaking of that, I, I know I also didn't put this guy on the list, but I think you made a post yeah. about Matt Stafford not so long ago. Do you have that information with you? Yeah, I do. And, uh, I okay. mean, he's a Lions player, so I know I research him <laughs> pretty, pretty in-depth. So what's, is there a concern about Matt Stafford? Because it seems like for a lot of people he's been a consensus top 10 or just outside the top 10 quarterback, including me. Who's, he's a guy who I'm really high on. I think he had 19 touchdowns in eight games, so uh, that was 
I mean, what he was able to do last year was great, but now how do you feel about his injury coming into this year? So Stafford had some stress fractures in his back, which, I mean, it sounds scary, but it's really common actually with quarterbacks, especially quarterbacks that throw a bunch. It has to do kind of with that torquing motion repetitively just causes a lot did, of overuse. Did Carson Wentz have that too? Yeah, he did. And okay. and actually, I'm, I'm not nearly as down on Wentz as I was on Stafford. But the reasoning behind that is because Stafford had, a, had an aggravation. And he says it was a different injury, but it seems like it was at least somewhat related because, I mean, there's always so many kinds of back fractures you can have that aren't very serious. And uh, <laughs> I would think that they were somewhat connected, especially since they happened in back-to-back seasons. So I kind of get down on him a little bit, even though I love him as a QB, as a person, he does great philanthropy and everything, but he's, he's, you know, older for a quarterback and he throws the ball a ton and he had aggravations in his back on back-to-back seasons. So that all kind of makes me a little bit pessimistic on him. I do think he's a great talent. I think while he's out on the field, he's going to put up amazing QB one numbers but I do have concern for him uh, for him just getting an aggravation and getting knocked out for a couple of games. Okay, so there there is some mild concern about Matt Stafford and his availability throughout the entirety of the year. So that, that's interesting to know. Um, yeah. he, he might make a better QB2, a high upside QB2, uh, yeah. especially, especially in a super you know, flex league or something like that. Mm-hmm. That would be, yeah. But uh, I mean, I will say he's he's been an Iron Man, honestly. Aside from that that first season that he got knocked out of, he he if someone's gonna play through an injury, it would probably be him. So. Yeah, his family's gone through Jacobs. a lot too. <laughs> yeah, Jacobs too. <laughs> yeah, his family's gone through a lot. Um, next guy here I have is Jarvis Landry, who um, last season he had off season his off season hip surgery prior to the year. Uh, I think it was a okay. I have a sacrum fracture and labrum tear in the 2019 preseason. Yeah. He had a second surgery in mid to late May. As of right now, he's not on the pup list. Um, so it looks like he's going to be ready for the season. But oh, having no. surgery in May and then playing in September, how do you feel about that? So injury wise, you know, it's it should be something that he recovers pretty well from. He does have, once again, I feel like they're going to try and get Odell uh, a little bit more involved this season. And yeah. then they also signed Austin Hooper, I believe, as well. And then, you know, they obviously have Hunt and Chubb, who are both very competent receiving backs. Landry had one of the best seasons of his career last season. I feel mm-hmm. like he's got to regress. Like, Landry, with all those other people in there, you think, I just find it hard to think that they're going to really push the ball to Landry which maybe I'm wrong about injury-wise. I'm not super concerned about it, but just uh, the situation doesn't seem great. So injury-wise, you are not you don't have too many concerns about um, hip surgeries and back-to-back years? Nah. What do you think about him fantasy-wise? So fantasy-wise, I mean, I, I agree with you. I think he's definitely going to regress. I think they're going to move the ball more towards Odell, who – by the way, he, he claims he's 100% following his sports hernia surgery. And uh, I don't. <laughs> uh, that's something, yeah, I'm not crazy high on either. But sports hernia surgeries are pretty terrible. They have a high aggravation rate as well, too. 
it depends a lot on the playing style as well too. So I honestly, Odell, he's more of a downhill runner, right? Like he doesn't do too much cutting or juking. Is that correct? Uh, he so he he's kind of like a like what I like to call like a hybrid slot like Z type player to where yeah. he'll like be in, making the slot he'll be in the slot he'll make his cuts and then he'll have a long uh, touchdown from that perspective. Okay. So um, I, I don't think he relies on it as much as Jarvis Landry as a guy who's yeah. only playing the slot and relies on those cuts, but uh, he's going to be primarily on the outside in the 12 personnel scheme for the Browns. So he might have more straight line uh, routes than cuts this year. So if anything, that could be a positive in that regard. Yeah. But and the re- Yeah. The reason I was asking about that is because if they don't really do too many cuts, jukes and stuff like that, then it is a little bit harder to aggravate that sports hernia. Cause that's pretty much what it is. It's a lot of shearing and downhill runners. They aren't usually as much affected by sports hernia surgeries. So it kind of depends on, I guess, how he's playing. Recently, I don't know. The the only player I would kind of the only players in the Browns' offense I would really be targeting would be their running backs and then Baker for a bounce back because I think he should be pretty cheap as well this season. And you know he's set up with so many weapons. I don't understand how how he didn't have a better season last he season. Can't, so hopefully, if Baker can't succeed this year, he just can't do it. I'm sorry. He's got yeah. a much better offensive line. He's got two borderline elite running backs in that backfield. Um, he's got two great wide receivers, a first-round tight end, and Austin Hooper. He, he's got all the weapons he needs to succeed. If Baker can't do well this year, he's just not a good quarterback, and that's just yeah. what it comes down to. But um, so while, while we're on the topic of uh, sports hernia, core muscle tear, stuff like that, I want to bring up Will Fuller. I'm going to jump around a little bit. So Will okay. Fuller, he's two years removed from that ACL tear. I believe he also had sports hernia surgery last yeah. year, similar to Odell. And Fuller's also had some issues with strains and sprains and stuff like that. Uh, what's your level of concern for Fuller? Because I feel like when a lot of people see Brennan Cooks and Will Fuller staring them down in the seventh, eighth round, you kind of just, yeah. like, I don't know, like who's less of a risk, who's more of a risk, and are they worth the risk? Because yeah. you, you want to say Fuller's definitely worth the risk with all those targets being opened up. He's had some uh, good words from Deshaun Watson. He hasn't had any injuries as of right now, this far in camp. He's been doing well. He cut off his hair, so he's got a new yeah. look. Maybe it's a new thing. <laughs> so what's, what's your feeling on Fuller? So I'm actually super high on Fuller. I do think that he's he has a very high risk of an injury because of his past. But I mean, he's the wider. I think he's the wide receiver one in the uh, in the Texans offense, and the wide receiver one for Deshaun Watson is, in my opinion, someone you should definitely have on your squad. Like you said, he's going in the eighth round, which you know that's amazing value in my opinion. And people people bring up cooks too but i think you mentioned it cooks is cooks has had a fair amount of injuries in his past as well too and i think that fuller just shows a lot more upside than cooks in terms of just his talent level yeah so and now i'm curious too because fuller i mean not fuller uh cooks one of the main concerns about cooks is another concussion because i think he's had three in the last two years uh, yeah if i'm correct with that so it's a lot of times what I say is if you're looking for a week to week starter, 
I'll target someone like if they're staring down Wolf Holler and Brandon Cooks. I'll take Brandon Cooks because I have more confidence Cooks will be on the field. And then if you're going for that depth wide receiver, that uh, wide receiver three potential flex option, I would go for Fuller because he has more upside. Now, would you agree with that saying that Cooks is less of a risk or do they both have similar risk or? I guess, yeah, if I had a gun to my head, I would say Cooks has a mildly less injury risk. But I think that it's comparable enough that I would still take Fuller over Cooks 100% of the time. And that's also because Cooks is new in that offense. Fuller's been there for a while. He has probably a much better repertoire with uh, Deshaun Watson. So, Yeah, I mean, Fuller, I mean, if they're both on the field, it's going to be Fuller 10 to the 10 times. Uh, I, I do kind of like Brady Cooks in the fact that I think he had three straight seasons of 1,000 yards with three different teams. I believe it was yeah. the Saints, and then he went to the Patriots for the year, and then following year he went to the Rams where he had 1,000 yards there as well. So um, obviously he had a big down year last year, but, um, you know, I, I, I like both these guys. I think they're both high upside options, and I love the fact – that we don't have to make that choice in the fifth and sixth round. I love the fact that we're able to take a chance on these guys later in like the eighth round and not yeah. have to worry about all that risk early on. So that, that that's really good. And I think that plays a big part in trying to get those guys in your team, especially with Fuller, like you said. Now, do you um, just a little more on Fuller here. So do you believe uh, being two years removed from the ACL, does it help him? Or does it really not move the needle too much because he's still got a ton of injury risk overall? Uh, I think I think it helps him in regards to that. He he always I mean he's always had a pretty big history of soft tissue injuries, but you know overall the further you can get away from an injury, the better it'll be. Unless that injury is arthritis, and then the further away you get from it, the worse you'll be. So. Todd Gurley. <laughs> <laughs> And Sony Michelle, I guess too. And Sony, yeah. Such a shame. But um, okay. All right, I'm feeling feeling for. And, and you know what's so funny too is when I look at Fuller's injuries. Last year it was he had some hamstring strains and stuff like that. Nothing too serious. If he went without that core muscle tear splash sports hernia at the end of the year, yeah, I would be all over him this year. I mean, I think that yeah. core muscle tear really set him back because then he'd be two years removed from the ACL, and last year all he had was hamstrings. And it'd definitely still be risk. But for me personally, yeah. like, if he didn't have that goddamn muscle tear, yeah. it would have been a different yeah, I guess story you can for just him. Yeah, just look at it as more of a bargain and hope that he yep. doesn't, for some reason, doesn't get injured this season. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, next guy, we're jumping back now because I, I, I had sent you the list. The reason I keep saying jumping forth and back, even though everybody yeah. listening has no idea what I'm talking about, is because I sent him the <laughs> list and I'm like jumping between players and naming players that aren't even on there. So, um, Chris Carson. So, Chris Carson had a hip fracture at the end of last year. Yeah. That's how we ended 2019. Then they brought in Marshawn Lynch and all their other running backs from five years ago. Um, but going into this season, how do you feel about Chris Carson coming off hip fracture? And then secondly, Rashad Penny, I believe, was it a torn Achilles or an ACL? Something really serious towards the end of last year as well. And he's still on the pup list. He's probably going to miss the first six games and maybe even beyond that. Yeah. So uh, what's your feeling on Chris Carson? And obviously his playing style 
plays a role in that too because Chris Carson is a uh, heavy runner. He's a he welcomes contact. He doesn't shy away from blasting the defenders. That's how he runs. So, how, how do you feel about Carson? So I'm not I'm not super high on Carson, and kind of the reasoning behind that is because he had a hip fracture less than a year ago. And hip fractures are pretty intense in the sense that they require about eight to 12 weeks of completely non-weight bearing. So that leads to a lot of atrophy in the, in the quads, the hamstrings, the glute muscles, and you need to rehab all of that. So I'm not concerned at all about the bone itself, but the surrounding tissue, that's what really concerns me. And there's an increased risk for soft tissue injuries, so like a quad strain or a hamstring strain. Gotcha. In addition to that, they have a crowded backfield. Penny at some point is going to be back, and they were they had high hopes for him at one point. Hyde is already there, and he had a thousand yard rushing season before. And unfortunately, Carson's had some really unfortunate events that happened in his life recently. I think some of his fam- some of his family members passed away, so he has been away from the team, and Hyde's taking all of the reps right now. So, if Carson, I think Carson's you know the undisputed number one, and he will be the number one back when he gets back, but if for some reason he does get knocked out, Hyde is a capable back. He gets a bunch of carries. If he turns out to be anything less or anything more than slightly adequate, they're going to be in a full-blown committee. So with where Carson's going, which is in the first couple of rounds, I think like the top, I think in the third round somewhere, maybe even the second round. Yeah, uh, top of the that's third, a little fourth. Too, yeah, it's a little bit too expensive for me with that kind of risk profile. <laughs> Yeah, especially with the other guys he's surrounded with. I mean, at the end of the third, fourth, there's Jonathan Taylor. Um, I'd say even maybe even David Montgomery's in that range. Le'Veon Bell, David Johnson. Yeah. There's just a lot of other guys who have similar upside and don't have as much risk. So yeah, I mean Fournette will just, be there too. Probably he's <laughs> Fournette's like falling <laughs> like a rock in all these traps. Now, I'm not a huge fan of Fournette, so I'm fine. He can fall all he yeah. wants. I'll just keep yeah, passing on him. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. I don't, I don't want to draft a guy that, you know, his team doesn't even like him. His team hates him. I don't want to, I don't want to draft yeah, that guy. Lobbying for, uh, he was lobbying for another quarterback. <laughs> that was, yeah. Telling some other guy to come play quarterback while they were saying Gardner Minshew is our number one guy. <laughs> Yeah, so all, all great news for a guy like Leonard Fournette, loved by the team and everyone. So, uh, number nine here, we got Big Ben. So you said you had some new, you had uh, some new, up, you saw some new updates on Big Ben. Exactly what the injury was, they yeah. were kind of quiet about it. But uh, does that raise your concern even further? No, I, I actually said that I wasn't too high on him because, in uh, he's old. Not, I love the Steelers too. Uh, they're my second team. My my parents lived in Latrobe for a while, so I have a polo model jersey and everything. So Steelers Nation, right. don't attack me. I know that there are a lot of <laughs> diehard fans out there. But Ben, you know, he's he's a lot older. He had a unique type of injury. They didn't even specify what it was until recently, but apparently he had some tears in the wrist flexors. So everyone knows about tennis elbow. That's on the outside of your elbow. There's also something called golfer's elbow, and that's where the wrist flexors attach. Some muscle called like the pronator teres and some other ones that are in there. And okay. it's not a really common injury at all for quarterbacks. And then also it's super uncommon for surgery to be done for it. 
So I feel like they probably went in there, cleaned up some scar tissue uh, and some poorly healed tissue from before, and maybe uh, maybe did a little bit of reattachment if one of them was significantly torn. This is all hypothesizing. There's no specific reports on this injury. But uh, at his age, it's going to be pretty hard to have a, have a great rehab from that. And then also, you know, the offseason was crazy. He didn't have great OTH or any kind of great kind of offseason practices. People are really high on Ben, you know, because he's won a couple Super Bowls. He's a very talented quarterback, but his cast isn't as great as well, too. You know, Juju's, Juju's a great wide receiver, too. He hasn't really shown an ability to be a great wide receiver one yet. He might be, but we don't have any evidence of that at this time, including when he was healthy the year before when AB was knocked out. He didn't put up great numbers, and there was no injury concerns at that time for him. Um, so I don't think that Ben has the supporting cast to kind of help him get acclimated again. He's going to have to be firing at all cylinders from day one. I think it's a lot of risks to take for your quarterback one. I think there's a lot of better options out there, so I probably wouldn't go after him. Yeah, and I think the problem, too, is a lot of people have fallen in love with uh, Antonio Brown Ben, right? This is like in his prime, Big Ben with Antonio Brown on his team. And a lot of people are forgetting that before uh, before Antonio Brown was on the team, Big Ben was like in below average, average uh, fantasy quarterback, even at a young age, you know, so... uh, on top of that, this is old Ben. This is coming off serious shoulder injury Ben. This is without Antonio Brown Ben. This is just not a Ben you want. Another guy roster. lost and, weight too. <laughs> and he lost weight. Fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> but, and I'm just like, man, what makes him so durable is that he is a big man. Like he is, he is hard big Ben. To take down we can't just call him Ben. Like what's going on? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we gotta just start calling him like mildly large Ben like it's not gonna it's not gonna have the same effect yeah. <laughs> um so definitely not the same big man a lot of people point to I think it was two years ago the Steelers led the NFL in pass attempts and yeah you you better bet that when they add a guy like Anthony McFarlane and they still have all these running backs in that backfield that's not gonna happen uh this season yeah. especially I mean that season they had Juju and Antonio Brown who throughout the year had both had great years but that's uh, it's not going to be the case this year. Big Ben's not going to lead the uh, NFL in pass attempts at this age, coming off shoulder surgery. So I'm, I'm not on board with that. Um, another another player who I didn't put on the list, but I keep yeah. throwing at you anyway, is James Conner. Um, not so much. I mean, last year he dealt with one, two, three, four, five, five injuries, a quadriceps contusion, AC joint sprain, which knocked him out for five games. A quad strain, an ankle sprain, a knee sprain. The year before that, he had a concussion and an ankle sprain. Uh, that was with some playing time uh, during the Bell era. So, I mean, yeah. with all that being said, um, obviously it seems like there's some concern going to next season. But I, I, I don't know if you were the one who mentioned it to me or maybe it was someone else. But is it is there any truth or any possibility to him being a cancer survivor that putting him at increased risk for injury. And it, you know, it might just be speculation. Yeah. yeah, you know, there's probably nothing concrete on that, or maybe I, I'm not sure, but yeah. is there any possible truth to it? Uh, there's nothing that the studies show for that. I, I don't think that's really the issue. I think that he just has, you know, some durability issues. 
he's another person who showed that he got super bulked up over the over the summer, but yep. getting bulked up. So he had that AC joint sprain and he didn't play through it, which is fine. AC joint sprains are incredibly painful. And I could see why someone wouldn't want to play through it. You know, if they get repeat injured, then it can get even worse. So that's fine. But the thing is, is that, that that's also indicative of his pain tolerance and the kind of injuries that he'll be able to play through when you have someone like Josh Jacobs, who has a worse version of that same injury and is able to plow through three games until, you know, he eventually needs surgery, I think, at the in the last game of the fantasy season or the game after that. But that combined with all these other injuries that James Conner had, combined with them taking Anthony McFarland, who, you know, can do a lot of the similar things that James Conner can, it just shows that shows to me that James Conner isn't a safe bet. And he's never really been a safe bet. He's put up some monster numbers for a couple of games and then gotten injured and knocked out. And I just, uh, he's definitely on my avoid list and he's definitely a high risk for injury in my opinion. And uh, over here, he's got a great yeah, story. no, he's got a great story. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of guys who's, who's got a yeah, great story. Like Philip Lindsay, he's one of those guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but Philip Lindsay's got a great story too, but you know what? I'm not drafting Philip Lindsay in any of my leagues. Oh, this God, yeah. He's not someone who I Yeah, I mean, between him and Melvin Gordon, just getting into this real quick now, I mean, let's say he shares the early down role with Melvin Gordon. Who's going to be the goal line back? It's going to be Gordon. Who's going to be the pass catcher? It's going to be Gordon. So Melvin Gordon's going to be there when when it counts, and Philip Lindsay's going to be there when it doesn't. And he's going to be way overdrafted with all this talk coming out. I think he's a good player. I think he's a good running back for his size and everything. He's he's proven himself to be a good running back in the league, but – um, just another thing quick here on James Conner. Um, I'm on Player Profiler, which is yeah. uh, one of the – it's a really good website for injury history. That's where I go for all the injury history news and has their measurements and stuff like that. So if you guys haven't done that, you can usually just type in, like, James Conner Player Profile. It'll be the first link. Uh, point oh, being, they, they have his medical history report. And they have his injury probability at number one out of all NFL players going to 2020 at a 65.2% rate. You can't really, I mean, like, injuries are only predictable to a point. Yeah, I don't, I think yeah. you'd be in agreement and saying, like, you can't say, like, that guy's going to have a hamstring injury next week. You might be able to say he's yeah. more likely to have these such injuries. But, um, you know, so whatever that's worth, take it with a grain of salt. They also have his fragility rating at number eight overall in the NFL. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, not much confidence rating. Player. fragility yeah <laughs> fragility rating 84.2 i don't know what that's out of and that injury probability is number one in the entire league at 65.2 and that kind of speaks to um what, what i believe it was mike tomlin who said that he, he kind of like he didn't say it directly but i get the feeling that james connor is expendable in meaning that um Tomlin said, in the case that Connor goes down, we feel really confident as Benny Snell is our number two guy. And he also talked about like guys like Anthony McFarlane and stuff like that. Yeah. So the fact that the coach would just come out and say, like, it like when you immediately talking about James Connor, he just happens to bring up, Oh, by the way, we have guys for if and when 
James Conner goes down, like we feel confident with Benny Snell, like the fact that you have to bring that up, like you don't see like Christian McCaffrey going like, oh, like I keep bringing up Christian McCaffrey and Reggie Bonifant. I don't know why. <laughs> like, oh, we feel really <laughs> confident in Reggie Bonifant if Christian McCaffrey goes down. Like you don't hear that a lot with every single back. Yeah. So. They so, you know, they're not they say that, you know, we would be we would be not doing well without without a running yeah. back with certain running backs. Exactly. So it seems like Steelers are planning for uh, they're game planning for a season without Connor if it comes to that point. And the fact that they're even game planning that just tells you all their all you need to know about their confidence in him being on the yeah. field. So uh, another big reason I'm avoiding Connor. And what it also tells me too is that they said James Connor's their guy and they said they want to run it with James Connor. So for me, that just says like, okay, we're just gonna run him to the ground. If he gets hurt, who cares? We have more guys. Yeah. Without directly saying that, of course, because why would you yeah. ever directly say it? The point being, that's just how I feel about James Conner being expendable in this backfield. Um, we got one more guy here, and I promise I won't throw any other players at you <laughs> who haven't mentioned. Uh, Dalvin Cook. I, I really wanted to go over Dalvin Cook just because a, a lot of people are still concerned I, I still get comments like two years later saying dalvin cook is injury prone i mean sure. do you what is your feeling on that it's been two it's been i think it's been over two years since his acl tear now three years this is the third year past the acl uh he yeah. had i believe it was a chest injury last year that could have easily been avoided if he had just sat out the rest of that game but he just kept churning yeah, and, another yeah that ac he had another ac sprain just kind of like connor and uh like josh jacobs as well too but he's, yeah, I don't think he's injury prone. I think he's a great running back. And I think you and me both were super high on him last season. And yeah. for people that complain that, you know, he got knocked out the last two games, they wouldn't be where they were without Dalvin Cook in the first place, which was in the playoffs. So it's like, I went undefeated and then Dalvin Cook got hurt and my whole squad just, it's like, okay, hold on. <laughs> you, you just said he won you 14 games. And then yeah. he couldn't finish it out, and now that's his fault. Like, no, no, yeah. no, no. When he was playing, he was the uh, running back, too. So. Yeah. <laughs> and he's also one of those people, like we talked about before, who's got a rock-solid handcuff. It was out of the ordinary last season because Madison, unfortunately, got knocked out either in the same game or the game after. But that's yeah. not something that, that's, that normally happens. So, I mean, and if you got Boone, I think Boone, like, went off again. <laughs> And when you're in playoffs, he went off be, one game, like, and then championship game, he let everybody down. Oh yeah, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I I like Cook. I still like Cook in terms of injury wise. I do get a little bit concerned about his contract situation because they didn't establish a contract. So I've heard there's a like there's a chance he could just start a game and then just decide to sit out. But if you have Madison, then that shouldn't be quite as big of a concern. Although it is, you know a top seven pick usually and is Madison worth a top seven pick? That's something that you would have to <laughs> decide for yourself, I guess. But I mean, they still got Kubiak and Kubiak loves running the ball. So it could just be a plug and play thing. Yeah. So if, if let's say theoretically, if Dalvin cook uh, gets a new contract, like right now, like news breaks right now, Adam Schefter tweets it. Yeah. Where would you have him ranked as far as running backs? Would you have him, RB, I, I honestly could see him being anywhere from two to five. But where would you have him? Yeah, I would take him right after right after those top four backs. I take him five. Two five. But I could see because that's where I have him now. Higher than that too. 
Yeah, absolutely. There's there's been a lot of rumors lately of uh, Zeke uh, not being as involved uh, in the passing game and Tony Pollard seeing a bigger role. So I do have oh, some yeah. concerns about Zeke being a PPR monster like the other guys that are around him. I mean, you're surrounded by Alvin yeah. Kamara, Saquon Barkley, Christian McCaffrey, and Dalvin Cook, all guys who are going to be much more involved in the, in the uh, passing game than him. And at the same time, like those are also a lot of guys who can score 10-plus touchdowns as well and get the same yeah. exact yardage. Maybe Kamara, not so much the yardage on the ground. but yeah. um, And like you said, you know, honestly, just like, to, no one, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't fault anyone for taking Cook anywhere past Christian McCaffrey. Like, I think that yeah. he's very close to the talent level. And also, it's like all those guys have had pretty significant injuries over the past season even. So, I mean, they're all kind of in the same boat. <laughs> exactly. So, um, I think that's going to wrap up all the 10 players and 10 plus, maybe I'll say 10 plus <laughs> on the quote now, but that's going to wrap it up. I want to thank you so much for being here. Uh, again, we did this last year. It was a huge hit. I have a feeling it's going to be the same story this year. So um, if you guys aren't already following Dr. Nathan Natwan, you can follow him on Instagram at fantasy ducks. Uh, are you involved in Twitter yet? Yeah. Uh, it's just my, for, it's Dr. Nathan Natwa MD. No periods gotcha. or anything like that. I try to get fantasy docs, but it's already taken. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, uh, also, it's fantasy, fantasy docs. On, I have a page on Facebook too. That's fantasy docs. Perfect. So awesome. So if you guys don't have the draft kit already, uh, if you guys want to go do that, I've got a great piece by uh, fantasy docs in there, Doctor Nathan Natwa. He just he did a great job breaking down some of the injuries, their performance expectations, and stuff like that. So that's included on there as well. And is there anyone anything you wanted to say on our way out? Any last wishes? Uh, any anything like that? No, that's great. I always like doing these kind of podcasts with you. I remember I was uh, doing them with you when I was first getting started, and you know they're still just as fun. So yeah, yeah if you guys. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm going to put this a little bit of this up on mine. So if this is the part I put up, you guys should follow fantasy fo- football analysts as well, too. You know, he's got great content and I love sharing his stuff, too. Awesome. I, I appreciate it. Appreciate having you on. If you guys are new to YouTube, like, subscribe. Why not? You got some more videos like this coming your way. And if you're listening on podcasts, uh, leave us a review. Let me know how you feel. So uh, thanks again for being here and I'll see you guys next time.